everybody and welcome back to another podcast. For those of you who are just joining us, my name is Kylie Nicole and I'm a medium in Perth in WA. So this series of podcasts are about empowering women and reaching out to women who have actually been nominated by other people because they have gone over and above in their own journeys and they have a story, they've got something to share. So today I've got Kylie Tunks here from Inner Wisdom and Wellbeing, which is in Hall's Head in Mandra or down Mandra Way. Um, hi, Kylie. How are you doing? Hello. How are you going, Kylie? <laughs> All good. Tell me a little bit about your journey. So how far back do you want me to start from, from when the spiritual journey began? Yeah. Yeah. What did that look like for you? Uh, so when I was 18, uh, my best friend was killed and uh, leading up to that, my, I came from a family with no spiritual or religious belief at all. So I had no background at all to be able to process losing someone. And it was my first death to deal with in life. Yeah, first Mm -hmm. loss. So what happened was um, because we didn't have any sort of base, I became very lost in grief and the belief of the family was once you're gone, you're gone. Anyway, so what happened was I spiralled for a little while And then luckily I was, after spiralling for some time, was taken to a medium. So this was my first experience in anything of that kind at all. So I actually went very sceptical. And anyway, so I went and what happened was I put something very specific in my friend's coffin that absolutely no one knew. And this medium was able to bring that up. Wow. So for me everything changed from that moment, to be honest, because I knew no one knew that. And so therefore my belief system in that moment also changed because I thought, oh, okay, there is more. She's somewhere, <laughs> which was a huge relief when you're so sad and down and, yeah, and, young, you know, and well. young and and because it was a shock death as well. You're in that process of grieving. So for me, that actually sent me on a beautiful journey that I now see her death, even though it was extremely heartbreaking, I see that as a beautiful gift she gave me. Oh, I'm going to get a little bit emotional. You get Sorry. emotional, that's absolutely um, fine. <laughs> because my journey stemmed from there. So, yeah. um, so what happened was I said to the medium, how do you do that? Where is she? You know, and, uh, and she was lovely. She was a really old lady and she was so beautiful and lovely. And she just said, read, start reading. She gave me some books that she thought might be helpful to start off with. She said, try and find some meditation because back then meditation was all behind closed doors. And yes, it was not mainstream (laughs) and you had to, it wasn't openly advertised. You had to really go and know somebody. Yes. Otherwise you wouldn't. So that's what I did. So I started reading, I started going to meditation and then everything just grew from there. So the journey really for me started from seeing that medium forward. That's amazing. You said someone took you there. Who took you? Yes. So a friend of uh, the family uh, took me to this medium. And to be honest, I didn't know what a medium was. I, I really had absolutely no understanding of what they do, but... Uh, this this friend of the family said it might help you to process losing your friend and to get you out of this darkness that you're in. Because I was in darkness because she was in in me at the moment, at that time, she was nowhere. She was gone and she yeah. was nowhere and I wasn't coping with that. Grief is a funny animal because it's weird. We create a point of conflict within ourselves without logically knowing because our human self, our ego, 
tells us that somebody's gone. Yes. But our soul still feels them around. Yes. And then we have all the experiences. We have the dreams. We have the perfume. We have the, the signs. The signs. Yeah, absolutely. We have all of those. And then we're like, well, how can that be if this, they can't both be? So they're either gone or they're not gone. Mm. So grief can either be destructive or it can be healing. And that was your your ability to make that healing. Yeah, so I went into the destruction, yeah, to be okay. honest. I did go there and it was it was quite awful for a while. But at least you've seen it yes. because now it becomes your field of reference. It becomes part of your story. Which That's is, right. It's still a gift within itself that yes. even the darkness is a gift. Yes, definitely. So um, when you went to go and see that medium and you mm. started this pathway yourself, how did that go with your family? Because you said you come from a family mm. of no belief. Uh, so I sort of didn't tell them a lot, to be really honest, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> because they were very deep seated in their belief structure and system. And uh, were they religious or just non? No, uh, just, just no nothing at all. Okay. Just absolutely nothing. And so um, you've got to remember also this was a long time we're talking about. So back then, uh, meditation wasn't a mainstream word. Uh, whereas now it's just the norm. And even to mediumship, be able to, even, like, even when I started working publicly about 13, 14 years ago, it was I wouldn't, I didn't want to tell people I was a medium. It wasn't socially acceptable no. then. So, so for me, uh, I just went on this journey alone. To be honest, I kept a lot to myself. I didn't voice a lot about what I was doing, what I was learning, and I just, I just really went on the journey alone. But that's okay. It is, and also essentially. We have to go on the journey alone. Yes. It's not something that will, there's always a pivot point. There's something that takes us there. Mm. Um, but then where we go after that, that's a personal journey. Yes. Nobody can go on that with us. No, so no. It, it is, yeah, <laughs> it is a lot. So what did you, how did you decide where you wanted to be? What spoke to you? How did you know, how did you find out what spoke to you? Uh, 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 to be honest, what I did was I started educating myself. So I started doing just um, many years ago, different courses, different workshops, and just felt I was just guided by my feelings of what sat really beautifully for me and just dropped into that each time. So, of course, as you know, when it's a um, one thing will lead you into another and then another. So um, for me, the past life regression came about in my 20s. So I went and experienced a past life regression with a lady that um, was in Perth at the time and was well known for her regression. So I went, but I went quite sceptical, <laughs> which is a healthy thing to do. It definitely is. I recommend it. Yes, me too. Open sceptic. Definitely. <laughs> so I went and I could not describe my experience. It was so vivid, um, so real, and it gave me so many answers to me about wow. me and things that were happening with me. Um it just gave me an insight to me as a soul. How far back did you go? So I was, um, so obviously we have many, many past lives and the process brings you to the most appropriate time and place. Right, okay. So it's not that you're given a timeline, you're actually your higher self guides you to what's appropriate for you in that moment. So whatever you're guided to revisit, that is important for you at that moment on your timeline in your current life. Beautiful. So for me, uh, when I was really young and right into my teens, I had a horrific fear of the dark. When I say horrific, if I'd left something in my car at night, I wouldn't go out and get it and wow. stay in there till the next morning. So it was really deep seated, but I didn't have an experience in current life that created that fear. It was, it was more like a phobia because I would, the anxiety and everything wow. would come with it. 
Anyway, but what happened was the past life that came forward for me actually helped me to understand where this deep-seated fear of the dark stemmed from. And it wasn't from this life, it was from another, but my soul had carried that. That trauma Because we carry all the the memories, good, bad and ugly. We carry those. So for me, what was healing about that was once I consciously recognised this is where this has come from, this is what's happened, the healing and the release started. So what happened was the fear of the dark started dissipating to the point where it wasn't a problem in life anymore. So because that was my personal experience... I decided I would love to study and understand more about this so I can help other people release fears, phobias, whatever it is for them that possibly is linked to past life that can be released and healed in current life because not all phobias and fears are linked to a past life. So I'm only speaking of the ones that current life has no answers for. That is, and it's profound. Why do you think healing, healing fear... And trauma is important. Well, because uh, we live in a world now where we need to, as best we can, move through life with peace in our hearts, from a balanced space, without fear, and anxiety is a big one. Anxiety is a big one for a lot of people. So um, the different work I do in the studio allows um, whatever people are needing in that moment to access opportunity to be able to heal or grow or release stress. That's amazing. What do you think? I know it sounds, I don't know if I've got the words to try and explain it, but some people will take an explanation or they'll take an experience as a label or as an identity. Mm -hmm. So they'll use something as an excuse because they've had that experience, whether it's in this lifetime or the last lifetime. Mm -hmm. So how do you selectively work with the people who actually want to heal and change and like dissolve that patterning in the DNA memory? So anyone that books in for past life, their higher selves have guided them to the facilitator, whether it's me or someone else. Mm -hmm. So in the process I use, the wording is very specific in planting seeds for the conscious mind and subconscious mind that we're going to the most appropriate time and place, uh, in this case, if we'd pre-discussed, let's say, some issues, because some people just come out of curiosity, so they're not coming for healing or they're, they're just, just coming. The yes, whereas others will come with a very um, specific um, purpose. So for the ones that that's the case, they've already energetically set an intent for this is what I'm wanting to release, heal, understand. So the process organically, energetically aligns itself with that. And I'm in deep trust that whatever comes forward for a person, especially if, which in this case, if it's not just out of curiosity, they're coming for purpose, uh, the energy will assist them with that. Yeah, it's beautiful. So intention is everything, right? Everything. <laughs> everything. So talk to me about your vision. You said that um, you'd wanted to have your own studio for a long time, but it just didn't happen until no. COVID, actually, weirdly. <laughs> yeah, well, I ended up, um, I shouldn't say ended up, I was a single mother, not that that was the plan, but I was a single mother for 15 years. <laughs> no, no. And ended up just sounds like I was lobbed with it, but <laughs> obviously I don't feel that way. No. Uh, so, um, so my life was really full working multiple jobs to raise these two children wow. and um, my spiritual work was very, very part-time at that time because back in those days, 
for most of us, spiritual work did not pay a full-time income to support two children in a house. So that's just the reality of it back then. So that went to very, very part-time and I just did jobs to feed the kids and paid the bills. What were you doing? Uh, I was working three jobs. So um, I'm a chef by trade, but when I became a single mum, I had to put that to the side because being a chef and a single mum, those hours do not... No. So I gave that away and I had to reinvent myself because I'd done chefing since I left school. So I had no other skills. <laughs> and uh, so to cut a long story short, I ended up in office work because that was school age kid friendly. Wow. And so I went and did courses and ended up in accounts. And so I would work for some companies and freelance for others. And uh, so basically... That's what I would do to fill in that chunk of time where I needed to move these kids through school into the world and then I could reassess. So the reason why the studio was always on the back burner was a dream and a passion, but just it wasn't a reality for yeah. life at that time. And I'm and I'm a big believer everything has its right time too. It does. So skipping on, uh, the kids grew up and I had really had enough of office work because that wasn't feeding my soul. That was feeding the kids. (laughs) And so that had served its purpose and that chapter came to an end, which was wonderful because I then uh, was working mobile. So I would hire spaces and I would travel. I have uh, meditation lounges that fold into a cube and I could fit eight of them in my vehicle. So I would be able to do groups of eight in workshops and classes, hire spaces and work with people. So that's what I was doing leading up to COVID. And then COVID hit. And as we all know, hiring public spaces, doing groups, all of that just came to a big stop. So then I thought, okay, I now have no income (laughs) and I have to make some decisions about what I'm going to do. So my husband and I just decided to bite the bullet and build the studio. So 2020 was planning, building the studio, getting it ready and open the doors in December 2020. Wow. Yes. But that was still that was still like beginning, well, yeah, kind of beginning or halfway through COVID. Yes. So how... So what I was doing was because in uh, at that time... WA was very lucky because we weren't like over east. If we were uh, like we were, uh, they were over east, it would have been different. But I was still able to do my private clients. I was still able to do some work, not in the full capacity, but I could still work. But when I opened the studio, I, I said to my husband, I'll be absolutely thrilled if I can fill a morning and evening meditation class once a week to kick off with and also do my past life regression clients, which are private sessions. So my opening goal, especially because it was COVID time as well, was I'll be so thrilled if I can fill a class morning and evening once a week. What I wasn't prepared for was um, the amount of people that responded so beautifully (laughs) to the studio, but I was not prepared. I went in very green, very ill-prepared for that. I was prepared for couple of classes and some private clients to kick off. So I ended up um, within a fortnight, 80 people a fortnight were booked into the studio oh, for wow. classes. That's amazing. It though. was amazing, but uh, there were some <laughs> tears of, oh, no, not oh, no, in a bad way, but I wasn't prepared. I was doing the bookings manually. 
I didn't have an automated oh, booking system. I was, I was in the office till 12 o'clock at night going through bookings and cross-checking that I hadn't overbooked a class. And so, yeah, so there were some learning curves in that. So have you automated everything now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and because I'm not tech savvy, that was a big journey for me as well. Yeah, it can uh, be. It's it one was. of the things that actually keeps people from not moving forward. I can understand that. I reached out and tried to get a booking system in place uh, because that wasn't my world. I got some help, but that wasn't the right system, so it didn't work for my business. So we had real um, turmoil in the middle of getting that sorted, but eventually we got it sorted and now it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. So how busy are you? Like how many people do you have coming in now? So between 80 and 100 people a fortnight come through the studio. And I say a fortnight because it's a fortnightly. There's different classes in a fortnight and they all run fortnightly. Right, okay. So that's why I say a fortnight because some people will come to a specific class this week but a different class next week. Right, okay. Some people will only come to the fortnightly class of that particular one. So it just depends. And do you do you uh, facilitate the classes yourself or yes. do you get other healers in? Like, no, what do you, or I, you? Do, I do, yeah. Amazing. So I write the classes. So I write the guided meditations. So I do guided relaxation journey meditations. And I separately to that, I write the spiritual soul journey meditations. Amazing. So they're the two different types of class because some people are looking for the spiritual, some people aren't. So I'm able to help two different um, groups of people that way. So I write the sessions for them and we never do the same session week in week out it's different each week amazing so do you channel that is that something that uh, you I I feel I feel part of it's me but most of it's spirit to be really even the ones that aren't the spiritual soul journey meditations yeah. I still feel because I'll start to write a meditation and it turns corner where I think oh okay we're going there <laughs> that's always a good sign <laughs> you know which is lovely it is it was just awesome. lovely and what about teaching? Have you decided to, like, where what comes next for you in growing this business? Are you going to teach other people how to do it so you can take a break or um, are you? I, that's really hard because hmm, I'm very passionate about working with people mm-hmm. and I love them all and I care about them dearly and my heart at this point in time, I, I would struggle to hand that over to someone else because it feeds my soul working with Fair people. enough. So at the moment, it's over a full-time job for me, the studio, with the writing. I I do the two different types of meditations, plus I do the sound sessions, which are separate. And then I do the after-school kids program once a fortnight as well. I love that. I think it's so important too. So, so, So at the moment, I'm managing all of that and I'm happy. But there has to be balance in all things. (laughs) Yes. It's tough. You didn't you didn't sacrifice everything that you sacrificed to then burn out in your own company. No, no. But but I have to say, in the school holidays, the guided meditations don't run because mums have got kids home from school or they're going away. So the school holidays, I only run the sound sessions, Mm -hmm. and the rest of the school holidays is my time. So I, I have two weeks off every term, you should say, except for the sound sessions, which isn't work. That's For me, that's, yeah, that's just wonderful. So, but I do do some of my writing in the holidays as well. Okay. So I feel that that balances me. 
I th- look, I think that that is a good a good compromise. If you're not, if it's not hectic all the time, or if you're not giving of yourself too much, see, that's where I think sometimes being a healer can sometimes be a little bit difficult. You have to find that balance. You have to honor your human experience, but also your soul purpose, and become very aware of when your tank is depleted. Yeah, and then actively do something about it. And that's something we talk about in the studio a lot. Good. Being aware, checking in. We do some meditations which are all about self care. Amazing. Checking in. How is my tank feeling right now? Empty, half full, fried, whatever <laughs> whatever that looks like for someone. And then bringing their consciousness and their focus and their attention into their heart to go, okay, what can I do about that? How can I fill my tank for me? And I think that's really important for all of us. Especially for women. I know I know men experience things in a different way, but their their burdens are around identity and providership. It's not around sacrifice and martyrdom, which is what a women's pattern tends to be. That's right. Generationally. Yes. And it's something I mean, I remember before I had my son, I was like, Oh, being a mum's not gonna change me. I'm still gonna do what I wanna do. And I did. Um, but I was bloody minded about it, so I didn't do it in a way that was nurturing to me. I did ah. it despite myself, not because right. I could To your own detriment. Yeah, well not because I mean by that time, because I was doing, I was corporate before and I was still working in software and my mediumship was only on the side. And then within the space of six weeks, I'd had my son. I got made redundant two weeks after he was born. Oh. Uh, then the house that we were renting that we were told was a long-term prospect and that that got sold and we couldn't, we couldn't, it was, they wanted like 1.2 mil for it and there was no way we could do that right. at the time. So we couldn't get another rental and we were like, Dave works for the mines. I had had a solid income for a, a long time and we couldn't as like a because we had a staffie as well, which doesn't help. Our, our staffie's my firstborn. <laughs> they are your baby. They are. Yes. And we ended up actually homeless and living with a friend in their games room for three months with this newborn child and everything else. So all of this had all happened. Um, and I I had just, I remember just being like, well, I'm going to still, I'm going to see my clients. I'm going to make it full time. I'm going to do it despite the fact that I've had a child, just mm-hmm. had a child. So I worked up until two days before Tommy was born. And then I started working again probably two or three days after I got back from hospital. Right. Um, mediumship for me is not work. It's a place that I find immense joy and it makes you feel like, well, you'll know with your work, you, you feel like you're plugged into a charger the whole yes. time, right? Yes. So that universal energy supports you and holds you through the process. So it was a joy, but on the personal front of things, like I couldn't maintain everything that I was doing. I couldn't still be out there walking the dog twice a day for two hours a day. I couldn't still be because suddenly you've got this child that's reliant on you. Yes. And then I started to understand when they talk about mental load, I started to understand what that actually looked like because as a fairly single person, Mm. (laughs) it's like, because again, my husband works away. So you have all of this time to yourself and you can be fully autonomous in that time. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) But then all of a sudden that changed and it felt like it changed overnight to me because I didn't know what to expect. Um, But certainly, and you would have done it as a single parent with two children. Like that is, how do you not lose your way? How do you not lose sight of yourself? But you know, there are moments when you do. Yeah. I have to say, there's plenty of them. (laughs) But all I can say to you is, um, for me personally, and I was listening to you talk about uh, your challenge of being homeless and and all of that. That As I'm listening to to you though, I'm a big believer in force change because that's what I call force change, not change that you've created. That was not empowered change. Not (laughs) consciously. Not consciously. But I still feel that the force change that happens to us, even if it's not pleasant, is for great purpose. Oh, 100%. And it allows us to grow and it allows us to feel or see contrast and it allows us to... Uh, be able to be really present in the moment because when we when we have forced change, that forces us into the now moment. 
It absolutely does. And, and a lot of us don't live in the now moment. No. And it was a huge, for me, I knew, I, my, my guides have been telling me for a long time where I needed to go, what I needed to be doing, and I wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like they'd given me every opportunity to do it myself. Which they do. And they did. Yes. And I hadn't. And then everything happened. And I, I firmly believe it happened for me, not to me. And even even that period of being homeless, I was mm-hmm. staying with a friend who's a precious family friend. And I had a I had a family. I had a I had a unit around me because I'd lost, just lost my mom as well. My mom had passed in the January. And so I suddenly had this family unit where I could figure things out in a supportive environment, which I would never have had. Dave would have gone back to work. I would have been by myself. I would have been trying to do all the things. Yeah. So, I mean, even in the moment, I knew exactly what was going on. I knew I was being looked after. It didn't take the humanity, like the pain from the humanity aspect out of it because you do. You feel like a failure. Suddenly you're trying yes. to do everything on your own. And but we're still in this physical fun. experience. Yeah, you know, and you have to honour that. Yes, that's right. And, you know, also what I wanted to say was with you talking about um, moving more into your mediumship, I'm a big believer that we come here as a soul with a base plate of a plan. Yeah, 100%. And your spiritual work and my spiritual work it's just my belief and my theory, are on our timeline. They're, on, they're, they're for this lifetime. Yep. So certain people and certain things will happen if we're not on the timeline or on the path. <laughs> Gently encourage you. Know, you. <laughs> you know, my friend that was killed, I really believe that that was a sole contract we had because she was like the sister I didn't have yeah. and we went to boarding school together. We moved to Perth together because we were country kids and I'd just been bridesmaid at her wedding oh, six bless. months before because she was 19, I was 18. And um, we were quite inseparable. And so her, her seeing her one day and, and then never again uh, was really impacting on my life. Yeah, it would be. And But now with hindsight, I see that was a sole contract we had. I see that um, this spiritual work was going to start at some point. And if she didn't pass, there would have been another, something would have happened or I would have met somebody or I always believe that because we come here with free will, sometimes that base plate of soul plan can alter. So therefore uh, other avenues will be used for for it to be. Yeah, but I also think, I mean... Sometimes we're here for us and sometimes we're part of somebody else's story. Definitely. And what a gift from your friend to be that yes. catalyst for you. And that's why I always call her passing a gift as horrendous and as sad as it was. And I know when I leave this earth and I see her, I'm going to thank <laughs> her because my life is just so precious with my spiritual work. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you're, you're spot on. And we're soul contracted to experiences. We're not soul contracted to events. And how those experiences happen is free will. Yes. So absolutely, there is the deviation. There is a change. You can procrastinate. You can put things off. But eventually they're going to yeah, get you there. Eventually. <laughs> so. Whether you go kicking and screaming or, <laughs> and you pro- or you procrastinate and sit on it and sit on it and sit on it. Yeah. And, and so I feel with my studio, because that now all of my spiritual work is full time. Beautiful. And but I feel with my studio, the timing of the studio had to be, even though I wouldn't have seen this when I was younger because I I always was dreaming about it and wanting it. But I needed to be the single mum for the kids. I needed to be hands on with them. And if I had a studio and because I'm so passionate about my work, I wouldn't have been able to. No, and then there might have been resentment there and, right. and rejection or yeah. abandonment trauma and stuff That's like exactly that. That's exactly right. So it all happens where it needs to. And actually you opening your studio in the midst of the chaos that was COVID, mm. 
Um, even though, yes, we were very lucky here, but it didn't stop people from jumping on bad bandwagons and being negatively significant and the fear factor and that whole right. that whole wave of energy. That a lot of stress. In, yeah, massively. Like people were in, in survival mode for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. So that timeline lining up with you opening the studio, that, that's relevant. You know, yes. so relevant. Well, as I said to my husband, I said, people are stressed and they've got a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of fear in the community right now. So if I can open the studio and offer a space that will be nurturing and hopefully um, alleviate some stress and anxiety, that's going to be a good thing that I can do in this now moment. Yeah. And so that was my focus. And lovely that he's supportive of you. Yes. How did you meet your husband? So we, um, it's a little <laughs> bit funny because I was a big non-online dater. Oh, yeah. It's a big no-no. That was a big scary place. and Online shopping is great. You know, <laughs> and uh, so to cut a long story short, a, a friend talked me into going on and I went with the heels dug in. Uh-huh. I wasn't on there very long at all when I met my husband, Dave. Oh, you've also got a day. Yes, and he works How away. Bizarre. And I lost my mum when I was really young. Stop it. That's so you're, funny. When you're talking, I'm thinking, hmm. There's a lot of similarities. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> our names, our husbands. And anyway. Wow. Yeah, so um, so I met him and it's really interesting because I also, as you probably do, believe that our partners are on our timeline Absolutely. as well, even if the circumstances may look not good on paper because yeah. he actually was working in WA but living over east. Oh, yeah, that is complicated. Yes, so on paper, that was not ideal. <laughs> and he'll tell everyone, oh, she dumped me. Two weeks in, she dumped me. He loves telling that story because we were communicating and we met and then I just thought, oh, I don't, I don't think I can do this, him living over there and me being here and he's lovely. But so I very honestly said, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. And he says, broke his heart. That's what oh. he'll tell you if he was sitting here. <laughs> but do you know, the minute I said it, I felt enormous weight. Sadness. Oh dear. And that sadness got stronger and stronger and stronger. And then two weeks later, I rang him up. I said, I've made a mistake. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. And I said to him, will you, will you give us another chance? Having no idea, because this guy could have gone, no, you're, you're trouble, you are. <laughs> you know. But obviously, we had a sole contract. Yeah. And so, and we've been together ever since. No, I completely. And you know, it's funny, I met my husband on Facebook. Um, Yes, I was 19, right. um, did not want to settle down. I was doing the, the living in the UK on my own, like doing the anonymous life and really loving, like because where I come from in Zim, my family's quite well known. Right. So it was the first time I'd been able to make choices and not have to explain things and work where I wanted to work and come home when I wanted to come home. And not that I've, I've never been a party animal, <laughs> but, you know, for me. Freedom. Yeah, freedom was cathartic. Mm. And it was the anonymity of it, the fact that I could, I could figure things out. Um, so I met him. Now, I wasn't even driving yet, so I hadn't got my license. I would have just, oh, I would have been 18, actually. And um, I couldn't tell him how to get to the pub. I, I saw him on Facebook. There was an app called Hot or Not. Okay. And you used to rate each other. It's very, very basic. <laughs> <laughs> but his picture was him with a black rhino, and I come from a black rhino conservancy. Oh. So we got chatting around that. And then he asked if he could meet me for a drink. And I told him how to get to the pub that was near my job, but I could only tell him the bus route because I didn't know how the car. Because you didn't drive. <laughs> So he was late and we had five minutes together and literally five minutes because corporate work in the UK, you have to be there. Like you cannot, you know, it's so, so regimented. 
So I had a Diet Coke with him. I went back to my job and bearing in mind, I never wanted to settle down. I never wanted any of that stuff. And I was still so young. And I said to my friend, I'm going to marry him. And he proposed to me eight weeks later. Wow. So you do, you just know. And you know what's really funny about your story? I kid you not, this is the truth. I had to meet Dave for the very first time face-to-face at the airport because he was flying in from his of job course. on the mine to fly out over east. <laughs> I'm at the airport standing there and he was late. His plane was late and it was circling. But I didn't know that. And, of course, he can't use his phone to message me. So I'm standing at the airport thinking, I've just made an idiot of myself. I've come all this way. And I'm standing at an airport to meet a guy I don't know. And he stood me up. That's what I actually thought. So I thought, okay, I've come a long way. I'll give him 10 more minutes. 10 more minutes. That's what I'd decided. And he came on the dying minute before I was about to head back to the car. And he came running over, puffing and <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I couldn't ring you because we've been circling. And and so we had 20 minutes. We had a speed date for 20 minutes and then he had to get on another plane and go. That's amazing. So I think that's really funny <laughs> how you were saying he was late and you had five how minutes. Well, we got, we got 20 minutes and so it was just a... An introduction, but also I think feeling the energy of each other. Yeah, and and the fact is, you waited for somebody. You allowed yourself to be vulnerable and waited for somebody. Very much so. So that's that is, you know, it's amazing. So amazing. And then to have somebody who's supportive of your journey and you know doesn't think it's weird. No, <laughs> you know? I think there's some things where he thinks, okay, I'll just okay, smile and wave. Yes, yep. <laughs> okay. But a lot of the things he's he's helped so much with the studio. He's. He supports me, even of some things he doesn't quite maybe fully understand. Oh, and what a gift. I feel really lucky. It's like he came into your life when you needed each other. Definitely. So again, yeah. it's those it's those the yes timeline, but a gift and someone to take you through the next phase of your life or yes. to co-create the next phase yes. of your life with. So it's yes. amazing. Yeah. And speaking of that, what comes next for you? What are you planning? What are you gonna uh, do? Podcasts? Teaching well, online is, courses. As you know, this is my first <laughs> podcast ever and I was extremely nervous. Um very nervous. So I'm glad that I've coped. And <laughs> You've done a beautiful job. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I'm really in flow of what I always do. I do a lot of automatic writing with spirit. Yeah, it's great. And I always trust that when opportunities come up, say yes, even if it's like this is out of my comfort zone doing this <laughs> with you. But every part of me was backed up by spirit to say yes. So I really drop into trust of being open to opportunity, being in flow. So I really focus a lot on my writing for Mm -hmm. the classes and I'll continue to do that. But I, when I communicate with spirit, I always say, I know everything has its timing, so I'm just going to be open to flow. And if I need to be doing something a little bit different or something additional or step back from that but move more into that, help me be in the right place at the right time. And I just go with that. I love that. Your guides must love you. I swear, I was talking to Nat, who was here before, um, about how my guide is, he's gone past rocking in the corner. Now he's literally putting his head into a wall. (laughs) They all do that at times, though. Even mine, I'm sure, have done that many times. But having that openness and just going like, what adventure can we go on next? It's powerful. Actually, that vibration of playing is powerful. It is. And also, you're dropping into trust. Yeah. But you're also allowing the boundaries to go from this to out here. Yeah, because if there's no box to fit into. No box. 
It's, it's, it's cathartic. And you meet the right people at the right time and you have the right perfect conversations. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, synchronicities and serendipity and all oh, of those I things. That. I don't believe in coincidence anymore. Me neither. <laughs> I never, ever believe in coincidence. No, not anymore. Mm-mm. But no, that's, I mean, that's a lot. And how can people find you? Where, if people are listening and they want to get in touch, where can they find you? Okay, so uh, I have a Facebook page for my business. I don't actually have a website. As I just said earlier, I'm not texting me. <laughs> so everything I do is through Facebook um, or contacting me on my mobile and having a conversation with me. Do you prefer text or calls? So either, either. If okay. they call me and I'm in class, I'll call them back. Awesome. So um, either, either. Um the past life regression has got really busy, which is amazing because that's I'm really passionate about that yeah, work, and that shows it shows an awareness that people didn't have before oh, and an openness. But you know what's amazing? Where people go, yeah, and why? That. <laughs> you know, I trained under Dolores Cannon, and one thing that stuck with me that she said was, "Never assume you know the reasons why a person is accessing this past life." And I'm so glad that that stayed with me because the journey the facilitator goes through when someone is in a past life regression is, there's no words. It is amazing. And there's always so much that is um, symbiotic. There's stuff that you share yes. with them as well. Oh, oh, it's, and it's so um, rewarding and it fills my heart to the absolute, that's what fills my tank, to be really honest. I When someone comes out of a past life regression and you can see the pennies dropping in them. Or sometimes it's not right there in that moment. Sometimes it'll be a few days later and they'll call me and go, oh, this is what's happened. I suddenly get it now. <gasps> oh, yeah. I love that. When people glow differently. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining oh, me today. Thank Honestly, you for having me. It's been such a gift. So I'm excited to see where you go with all of this. Oh, thank you. And I will let you know when your episode is on. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs>